0: You'll pray with me. Holy Father, we thank you for this fellowship here, this building this morning. We thank you for the unity that we share with you, but also the unity that we share here with each other. And we thank you for these words and for this prayer of Jesus God, and we pray that we will have ears to hear this prayer and ears to hear the ways that you are calling us and changing us and changing this world. In your name we pray, amen. It is Maundy Thursday, as some call it. The night before Jesus' death. The Last Supper is over. And Jesus is saying his goodbyes. And it's here with everyone gathered around him that Jesus begins to pray. I'm going to read this prayer, and I would like to invite you to close your eyes that we hear these words not as another scripture, but as a prayer from Jesus to his Father on Jesus' last night on earth. I do want to warn you, it's a little longer prayer than we normally say on Sunday mornings, but nonetheless, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. So let's pray. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf, I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours." All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask that you protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be completely one, so that the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. As someone who got their master's in spiritual formation, I have spent a lot of time reading prayers, examining prayers, listening to prayers, and writing prayers. It was a big part of the program. And as a minister here at Bering for almost a decade, I know that we have way more people here who are willing to come up here on a Sunday and read scripture than who are willing to say a prayer. (laughs) I think I understand why though it's because there's something really vulnerable about our prayers. It's an opening of our hearts to God, and it allows everyone else to see, when we speak it publicly, what's going inside of us spiritually. It's very intimate. Which is why I think it's important to recognize that the night before Jesus' death, he stops to pray, to pray this prayer. He already knows what the next 24 hours hold, And even more interesting than that to me is how Jesus prays. Yes, he's praying to God, to his Father, but he also prays specifically to instruct and edify his closest friends. In this act of devotion to God, Jesus is setting an example to the disciples of how one lives in relationship with God, but also in relationship with one another. So Jesus begins this prayer with a prayer for glory, And this glory comes through suffering, which is odd, right? How is there glory in suffering and death? God's glory seems quite paradoxical. God is hidden at the same time that God is revealed. When God appears to Moses on Mount Sinai. When the pillars of cloud and fire guide the Hebrew people from slavery to freedom when a cloud of glory rests on the temple in Jerusalem during sacrifices. All of these experiences of glory in the Old Testament both reveal the presence of God, but also shroud the presence of God. In these times, we see God's glory and presence, but also we don't. It's a paradox. And so it is here with Jesus' suffering. In the cross and resurrection, we see a paradox of God's glory, glory in suffering, glory through darkness. John doesn't separate Jesus' death from his resurrection. It's all one story. And this story has one purpose, to glorify God so that we may believe. That glory that is being revealed in Jesus' death and resurrection is the glory of the love of God. And John tells us this from the very beginning of his gospel. In John 1, when he starts with, And the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing has been made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The glory of the love of God is this love that shines in the darkness and that darkness cannot overcome. This love that Jesus and the Father have shared since before creation. This overflowing love by which God brought all things into being. This love that Jesus came to proclaim and embody so that the love he and the Father share might be a love known to you and I. This love known to all who know Jesus, and through Jesus come to know and love God, whom Jesus calls Father. This love, this glory, is not Jesus' alone, but through Jesus becomes our love. And this love is brought through suffering, through a betrayal, a cross, darkness, and death. This is the ultimate example of the paradox of suffering and divine love, reminding us that our own earthly suffering can and does overcome darkness to shine the light of God's abiding love. Jesus continues his prayer. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus prays for his disciples, for these individual people who have left everything to follow, who have believed and known that he is the Christ the Son of God, the one who would save them. This love that is God's glory has also become theirs, and Jesus prays for this love to empower them on their mission here in the world, even as he is leaving the world. And their mission, our mission, is this. Jesus is counting on them to be his presence in the world. Jesus is entrusting them and us to be the literal hands and feet of Jesus on earth. Jesus is inviting you and I to join in the sacredness of the world. When we are God's presence on earth, everything around us becomes holy ground, if we're willing to see it. And that includes our suffering. If we are to be God's glory, that is, God's love, then God's presence is constantly around us in the work of ordinary people that Jesus sent. If this world is the very place that Jesus sent you and I to be, to be his hands and feet in our daily, ordinary lives, then every moment and every step is sacred. It is the glorifying love of God that makes it sacred. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm no longer in the world, but you are. Therefore, what happens here today, tomorrow, it matters. It matters when we share that love of God that is ours through Jesus with the world. When we are kind and compassionate. When we are grateful. When we slow down and truly see our neighbor and our neighborhood when we sit and share grief and tears with one another, when we do the tiniest acts of love for someone that don't benefit us in any way, when Emily stands up here this morning and prays for us, and when Kristen, week after week, it seems like, is collecting something for an organization right now for the dogs, those things matter. No matter how ordinary it seems, it matters because we are already the presence of Jesus in the world. And when we live into that, it is a sacred thing. And Jesus prays that we would remain awake to this reality. Now that Jesus is returning to the Father, that we would know we are the ones left on earth, and it's for a reason. This world that God loves so much. And in seeing and knowing that, that we would then be the very light of Jesus in the world. When we are the presence of Jesus in the world, we are one with Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit. When we practice that love, when we share that love, we align our hearts and our souls and our minds with the one who created us out of that very love. And this love has invited us into oneness with God. But it also invites us to oneness with each other as a community. As we are the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, sharing God's radical love with those we interact with, we are invited into complete unity with one another. Jesus prays. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It is in our unity, in our oneness with God and with one another, that the world will know Jesus. Jesus prays for the gift of community. This family that we experience every week here at Bering Drive Church of Christ and thousands of other families across the globe because it is here that we have the opportunity to live out this love with one another, that we learn what it means to serve and live and love as one. It's late, it's after supper, the time has come. Tomorrow, Jesus will finish his work of love. Light will conquer darkness and all will be done for us by God's glory. God's love. But today, we sit in prayer with Jesus. We are one with God, one with each other, one with a community of believers that spans all space and time and language and race. We are one to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to share in the presence of God, to bring the glory of God's love here in the world. Amen.